Thank you, Lord. God is good. And all the time, God is good. That's his nature. Wow, right? Amen. I think we can all do better than that, right? God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. That's his nature. Wow. Okay. Amen. Amen. So, you know, uh, before I get started and get in the word, I, I want to, I just want to just honor that our founding pastors are here today. I want us to honor our founding pastors. It's so good to have them today. Amen. You know, so it's so good to see you this morning and, and thank you for planting this church and thank you for serving and being in ministry for 50 years. And you just got back from what, Alaska? What, is it yesterday you got back from Alaska or Friday? Friday. Wow. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome back to Texas. So, amen. Hallelujah. God is good. So today we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. Like I said, I'm forever grateful. I'm forever grateful for that in my life. So why? You know, we, we look at the word why. If you look at the word why up in the Webster's Dictionary... It's just a simple definition. It's what cause or what purpose or for what reason. Anytime you ask the question why, that's, that's what you want to know. You want to know what reason or what purpose. I, I, was, I was a master at that as a 10-year-old. All of our kids were masters at that. Well, why? 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 But Daddy, why? But, but, Daddy, but Daddy, why? Why? Bryn, Bryn was a master at this short Three-letter word that could capture the heart and mind of a child. Why? Why? And, and when we ask the question why, we're asking for what purpose? For what reason? What cause? So why the resurrection? Why, why, the, why, why did he come? Why did he die? And why did he rise again? Why, why, what, what, what was the purpose behind it? What, what was the cause? Why didn't he just create humanity and, and all of a sudden, hey, let's just, just dance on clouds for the rest of our lives and we'll just have fun and, 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 and so be it. Well, but there had to, there had to be a why. Why did all, were all these things necessary? Why, why wasn't, if, if, if man messed up, why didn't God just scrap the whole thing and let's start this over again and let's make man breathe into him the breath of life and let's start all over again? Why didn't that happen? Why? Because God is always confined by his word. God is never going to operate outside of his word. What do I mean by that? What does that have to do with man and the fall of man? You see, see, why was man created? The purpose, the cause, and the reason was God desired relationship. He desired family that was going to love based on free will, not because they were told to or had to. He already had the angels that could do that. And even that didn't work out too well. A third of them fell. <laughs> so think about it. And, and, but the whole reason that man was created because God desired a family. He desired a relationship. And, and we talk about the why or the reason. We, we, you know, the, the thing is, then we had the enemy that came in. See, the enemy has a why. The devil, Satan, whatever you want to refer to him as, has a why. And his why is what? Stealing, killing, and destroying. That's his why. That's his cause. That's his reason. That's his purpose. 
The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's John 10, 10, right? And so when here, God desired this family. God desired this relationship. He desired people that would, would be just like him, that could create just like him, live like him. So much so that he invested everything he had into man. Man was clothed with glory. He was clothed with honor. <laughs> totally looking like God. Clothed with even the glory of God. And I'm telling you, when Satan looked on that, see, God, Satan always wanted that place. He always wanted that position. So when he saw that relationship, he wanted to divide man and separate him from the very thing that made them like God. So when, when the enemy came in to deceive man, it separated them from that family. It separated them from that relationship. That was always the enemy wants to do. He always wants to divide people away from the relationship that's going to be their source. The enemy separated them from their source, their father, the originator, their creator. You see, when sin came, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 says, when sin entered, death came and sin and death passed upon all mankind. A couple of verses later in verse 14, and it says, even though they didn't sin in the same way that Adam did, they were still part of that same nature. So all of us were separated all of us were separated from that source. Everyone after Adam was separated from that source. But God had to, God had said, God had to do something. God had to say something. God couldn't just scrap the whole thing. Why? Because he invested everything into his creation. He gave them dominion and gave them authority, gave them a title deed to the earth, gave them everything, gave them the lease to the earth and said, hey, you give you, I give you authority, I give you power, and, and this, is, this is you. I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. Yeah. Meaning this is yours. So when, when, sin, when, when Adam and Eve all of a sudden no longer surrendered to God, but submitted themselves to the God of this world, they forfeited everything. And God couldn't just scrap it. Why? Because this was God's. And now man had rightfully given everything over to the God of this world. So God couldn't just scrap it. That's why in John chapter 10, the very beginning, he talks about having, he has to, he, I'm sending someone, but he has to come up the right way. He couldn't, he couldn't just bring, he had, he had to come, a savior had to come as a man. Just as man fell, a savior had to come as a man to get everything back the right way. Why? Because God confines himself to his word. Because some people want to know, why didn't God do this? Or why didn't God do that? If God is love, why does this happen? If God is love, why does that happen? Bottom line is, is, is there's a Satan in this world and he wants to steal, kill and destroy. Bottom line, none of that is God. If it's killing, stealing, destroying, it is not God. God is good and the devil is bad. Never, never, never confuse those things. So let's look at Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And also, for the sake of time, I want you to turn to Galatians 4. Genesis 3 and Galatians 4. Thank you, Father. Genesis 
you, Father. So look at, let's look at verse 15. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Now, this is right after man fell and became separated from God. Verse, that's like verse, 14, verse 15. And this is what God says. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He, this one that's going to come from a woman, he will bruise and tread your head underfoot and you will lie in wait and bruise his heel. See, this is the curse that God made over the serpent. That made over Satan, made over the devil. This is what he said. He's saying, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. What is enmity? Enmity means a active opposition in hostility. Another, another Hebrew definition is to make war against. So here, this is what God is really saying to the serpent. He goes, I will make war against you. Meaning, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to oppose you with great hostility. And how is God going to do this? There's one coming. Say, there's one coming. There's one coming that's going to come from this woman. And it's, you know what? It says, he's going to bruise your head. And you're going to bruise his heel. <laughs> that means he's going to get kicked really good. See, God, God had to do something about this. God had to do something about this situation. Why? Because the why, God's purpose, desire, and reason was he desired a family. He desired relationship. Now let's look at Galatians 4. Galatians 4, verse 4. It says, but when the full, I'm reading the King James, it says, but when the fullness of time was come, when the fullness of time had come. Remember, God prophesied this at the very beginning. And all of a sudden now we see thousands of years later, Paul is writing to the church of Galatia and says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. And the next word is two. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, Two. Now, when we look at the word two, now we're going to get a picture and an idea of a why. A why. We're going to see now, why did he send the son? Why did he send? We know well, the first reason, because he desired a family. And Satan came between that family. So a why is to get that back, right? So God sent forth his son to. Now, there's so many things. There's probably about 30 or so in the Old Testament, New Testament, that gives us a clear description of why Jesus came. We know in, in scriptures that it talks about how Jesus came to do the will of the Father. Why did Jesus come? To do the will of the Father. John, John chapter 12, I believe, to, take, to turn light, turn the darkness into light. To Luke chapter 19, to seek and save that which was lost. Another scripture, to, to bear witness to the truth. 1 John 3, 8, to destroy the works of the devil. That, that's, that's a why. Why? To destroy. Why did Jesus come? To destroy the works of the devil. Why did he come? To die and give his life as a ransom for many. It's Mark chapter 10. Another place in Mark chapter 10 talks about he didn't come to be served, but he came to. 
So, so this, this is a why. Why did Jesus come? And here, we're picking this up here. He goes, I, that God sent forth his son to redeem them. Redeem them. To redeem them that were under the law, that, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Hallelujah. To redeem them. Now, the word re- redeem or redemption means to buy off the auction block. You know, just picture yourself for a moment that you're up on this auction block. You're, you're beaten, you're bloody, you're in shackles, you're in chains, you're bound, and someone's bidding for your life. That's what happened with Adam and Eve and all humanity, that all humanity was sitting on that auction block. But when Jesus came, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to what redeem them that were under the law. Not only did Jesus pay a price to get you off that auction block, but he also bore everything that came with being a slave and a servant. Now get this to redeem you. So then you could be adopt to have adoption as sons. He bought you off of that to do what? To bring you back into relationship, right? See, to be adopted by into a family means you weren't in a family, but now you're back in a family. See, if you were adopted at some point, at one time, you came from a family. And I'm, and I'm sorry for challenges that you had in that and things that happened, but you need to know as a child of God, you know, that as you accepted him, all of a sudden you were brought into a new family. You were brought into a new family. So that whole thing was to bring relationship back to where God desired it to be. Why? What's the why? What's the reason? What's the purpose? To bring you back into that family. To redeem you. So you could now once again be back in that family. Now, if we look at why. Why could also denote motivation. When someone asks you, well, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why didn't you just scrap the whole thing and start over? Why did you do that? I believe John 3, 16, we all know it. Even people that don't go to church know it. Can you say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son... That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Why? What's the why? Why did he do it? Because of his love for you. Now the next verse says this. He did not come into the world to condemn the world. Meaning his why, his motivation, his purpose wasn't to condemn you. But that the world through him might be saved. Yeah. Come on. His why? What was his motivation? Yeah, his motivation, his purpose, his reason was, yes, because he wanted a family back. But what was the ultimate motivation? His love. Wow. His love. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Thank you, Father. Ephesians 2, verse 4. It says, but God, I'm reading the Amplified. It says, but God, so rich is he in mercy. I'm so grateful for that. What's his his why? His, His mercy. Because of, in order 
to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love. Now think about that. Because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful, intense love with which he loved us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God shows and clearly proves his love for us. God proves and clearly shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's this intense love. Why, why signs? Why wonders? Why extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our love? It's because of his intense love for you. Why does he want miracles in the church? Because of his intense love for his, his people. Why does he want signs and wonders? Why does he want extraordinary manifestations in your life? Because of his intense love for you. And I'm telling you, signs and wonders gets the world's attention. Why? This intense love. The message says in, in Ephesians um, Two verse four says, immense in his mercy and with incredible in love, he embraced us. He took our sin dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. So why? What was his motivation? His intense love. But let me, let's, let's boil this down to the ultimate motivation. The ultimate motivation. The why, yeah, he desired to have a family. Yes, we know the motivation because he loves. But it all points to one thing. The why is you. Everything. Amen. The love was for you. Amen. The cause, the reason, the purpose, the motivation was you. Amen. Look to the person on your left and your right and say, it's because of you. Now, I want to read a, a scripture to us in Isaiah 43. And I'm going to read this in the message. They're going to put it up on the screen. So, so hear this. I mean, this is about you. Verse 1 says, but now God's message. The God who made you in the first place, Jacob, and the one who got you started, Israel. Now, now why, did he, why, did he, why did he say this? Why would he go about this and say the God who made you in the first place, Jacob, and the one who got you started, Israel. Because for, you have to understand that Jacob was Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. See, you have to understand because the same, the same change that happened in you and me happened in Jacob's life. You see, Jacob, his whole life was someone that deceived and someone that was deceived. What, what about Adam was someone that was deceived? And we've seen through mankind throughout history that man was deceived and it does deceive. 
But yet he says, the one who got you started, Israel. Meaning this is, this is what humanity was at the beginning. And then I made a covenant with them. Now let's look at verse, this next verse. He says to, to Israel, now he's talking about you and me. You're not a deceiver anymore. You have the access, you have access to a new name. You have an access to, to really a new family. He goes, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name, your mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your savior. I paid a huge price for you. All of Egypt and rich Cush and Seba thrown in. I paid a huge price for you. I paid a huge price for you. Thank you, Father. All of Egypt. Egypt represented the greatest leaders of the, the greatest th- people at that time. And then what did Cush represented? That's where majority of the gold and iron was ored. So not only this is, you, you see, see he's, I'm throwing everything, I'm so, throwing everything material, everything that has to do with power, everything. I'd give it all just for you. He says, that's how much I love you. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. And I'd trade creation just for you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. He'd sell it all off just for you, Art. Just for you, Vic. Just for you, Kelly. Just for you. You have to see your value. You have to see your value. You have to see your value. When I think of value and, and I think of Jesus' teaching, I, I, I think of Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells, I believe, two parables, and I believe he tells, and one of them's a tr- and he tells three things, but I believe one of them's a true story. The first one he talks about, he talks about a, a, a shepherd that had a hundred sheep. You know, there's a popular song, you know, Reckless Love, you know, and it talks about that he leaves the 99 to get the one, right? He leaves the 99 to get the one. Man, that means as you're that one, then you had great value. You have great value. And he talks about a woman that had 10 pieces of silver and said she loses the one, one of the 10 and it says she, she lights a candle, she sweeps the house diligently and she looks for it until she finds it. Until she finds it. See, human nature, a lot of times would say, well, I got, I got nine other pieces. I'm good. That other one will turn up someday. But not, not the heart of the father. Not the heart of the father. The heart of the father is, is I'm going to go get the one. And I'm going to search for this one until I find it. Amen. Until I find it. And then he talks about there was a certain man that had two sons. Anytime you see a certain man, I believe, in Scripture, now he's telling a true story. There was a certain man that had two sons. And you know the story, the prodigal son and how the one goes away. But yet we see that the father sees the son afar off. That lets me know that he had to be looking for him continually. He had to be looking every day. Is he coming yet? Is he coming yet? Is he on his way yet? See, these, these three stories 
Give me an idea of how much God values each one of us. Why did he come? Why did he die? And why was he raised again? Because he values you. He values you and he wants you healed. He wants you prosperous. He wants you having a hope for the future. He values you. You know, my, my scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, For the know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. I know the thoughts. God has thoughts about you. Thoughts and plans of peace and not evil. He has thoughts and plans of peace and not evil. To give you hope in your final outcome. His love for you is great. His love for you is extraordinary. I'm telling you, everything is available for you through Jesus. Everyone stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord. And as I said 9,583 days ago, I had an encounter with Jesus. It's a mark of my life. And no one can come in and tell me that God isn't real. That Jesus is just a crutch. (laughs) That Christianity is just a ways and means of getting people's money. And No, I wouldn't be in this today if I didn't know the reality that Jesus touched my life on a sickbed. You know, as I was praying a couple weeks ago, the Lord brought the scripture up in my heart in Luke chapter 24. And Jesus at this time had already raised, but, but there's some people that didn't know it yet. And there's some ladies went to his tomb. So they come running to the tomb and they get to the tomb in verse 5 of Luke 24. He says, And as the women were frightened and were bowing their faces to the ground. Verse 4 says, And while they were perplexed and wondering what to do about this, behold, two men in dazzling white raiment suddenly stood beside them. And the women were frightened and were bowing their faces to the ground. Now, I don't necessarily know why they're... Were they bowing to the ground because... They knew he had rose or did they had their heads bowed because they were discouraged? So they were perplexed. And the Lord brought this scripture up to my heart. I was like, Lord, I've been there. I, I, I was there 26 years ago, having no direction, sick in my body. Trying to, you know, trying to do this, wanting to play sports, wanting to succeed in this, wanted to, 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 I was pursuing criminal law, developed a respiratory disease, then tried to go in the military. I couldn't do that. But I cried out to God. 
And he said, you know, he goes, Justin, you, you for 20 years were kind of like these ladies at the tomb. Because what did the angels say to them? They said, why do you look for the living among the dead? And the Lord said, up until you called on me, you were looking for things that would bring life among the dead. So often we do that in life. We try to find peace, joy, satisfaction, and strength in things that don't have eternal value. And I did that for so long where, where I was looking for something living among the dead. I was looking for, if I could just have some hope, if I could just have, have, have acceptance, if I could just get someone to love me, believe in me. You know, I, I grew up in a great family. I grew up with great parents. And, but yet, even despite of all those things, it was just something on the inside of me that was like, I don't know why I'm not happy. I don't know why I don't have joy. And I tried to get it in, in alcohol. I tried to get it in acceptance with friends. I tried to get it in being funny. If I told you some of the stories, you'd be, that was Pastor Justin, really? But the point is, I was trying to find something living among the dead. What do I mean by among the dead? I'm, I'm talking about something doesn't, that doesn't have life spiritually. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, says the things that we see are temporary. But the things we don't see are eternal. So when I turned on that day, on January 24th in 1993, and I turned my affection and I called on the Lord that day, the presence of God came in that room. It wasn't a long prayer. It wasn't spiritual. I was, you know, working at a liquor store at the time. So it's not, it's not about, are you good enough for God? Oh, he says, Look for the living among the dead. Look for, look, I mean, look for something living and stop looking for something that's not eternal. And when I turned my heart towards something that was eternal, it changed my life entirely. So this morning, make a decision. No matter where you are in your life right now, and say, Father, as I leave here today, I want to choose the things that are living. I want to pursue the things that are living. I want to pursue the things that are living, the things that are eternal, the things that will bring me faith, the things that will give me strength, the things that will give me joy, the things that will give me peace. I was tired of walking around and not having peace in here. Yeah, if you looked on the outside from the family I came from, yes, everything might have looked great there was a void in here. I'm telling you, when I accepted that and I started seeking something that was eternal, not only did it set me free and cause me to be a new creation, but it healed my body, gave me a peace and a joy that this world was never able, able to give me. That's why someone can tell me, can't tell me that Jesus isn't real. Because lack of a better term, the proof is in the pudding. Yes, sir. I've experienced it. Yes. I've experienced it. Yes, it. Not that my life has been perfect. 
for the last 26 years. Not that I've done everything perfect in 26 years. It was really the, the times that I would choose to pursue those things that didn't have eternal value that I will once again experience those other things. But when I always turn back and look at Jesus, look to the word. Hebrews 2.14 says it this way, that he reached down. He said he didn't reach down to angels and give them a helping hand, but he reached down to the descendants of Abraham and lifted them up. I want you to know peace this morning. I want you to know joy this morning. If you haven't, I want you to introduce you to my Savior. Everyone with your heads bowed. Father, I thank you for the word today. And I thank you for your why. Because you desire a family. Your motivation because you love us. And the ultimate motivation, each one of us. Thank you, Father. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, Or maybe you accepted Jesus years ago at a youth camp or at a church or in an event or a concert. But yet you didn't really understand salvation or the life that is supposed to come. Maybe you're away from God. Maybe you've gone down some wrong roads and wrong pathways. I wanted to say to you today, there's no better time than right now to no longer pursue things that don't have eternal value, but to make a quality decision and to receive the son, the son that came to redeem you, to bring you back to this place called family. If that's you today, just right where you're standing, just slip your hand up. Slip your hand up. See those hands. I see those hands. See that hand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You're faithful. Thank you. goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Before we pray, you know, the word tells us to do the work of an, to be, do the work of an evangelist. And just real quickly, maybe the person to your left and your right, ask them this morning, if you die today, do you know that you know that you know that you know that you go to heaven? You know, I got to a point in my life where the word says that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're sons of God. So when I ask that question, what is your answer? 
And if your answer is, I don't know. I want to ask you, do you want to be sure today? I'm not doing this to make people uncomfortable or in any way. But as you ask that question to the person on your left, and if they say no, would they, would you, would you come, if you raised your hand or someone asked you and that person says, I don't think so. Would you come to that, come to the altar with that person on the left and your right? Would you, would you come down this morning? Would you come down this morning and, and, and make this change and make this, make this decision? I, I don't want to assume just because this is the, the early service that everyone here is born again, going to heaven and, and, and excited about serving Jesus the rest. I don't want to assume that. I, I, want to make sure, I want to make sure that you had that decision. If that's you today, would you ask that person on your left and your right? And would you, would you bring them down today? Would you bring them with you? And as people are coming, would you, would you, would you rejoice? You know, it said if, if, if one person, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your faithfulness. I believe there's people not just up at the altar, still in this room, but also those watching by way of internet. Would you pray this after me? Father God, we come to you today. We thank you for your amazing love that you have for us. I receive your son Jesus in my life today. I declare that I'm a new creation. I thank you, Father, for changing me from the inside out. You said in your word, if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, you said that we would be saved. So I say today that Jesus is my Lord and I receive salvation today in Jesus name. Amen. Give him a shout of praise. You receive that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Joseph, we have just a couple things for you. And if you can just follow Joseph right here, if you can just, just follow Joseph just out to the left here. We have something for you. We won't take too long with you. Amen. Thank you, Father. God is faithful. If you're here today, not only did Jesus go to the cross, but he took stripes on your, his back for you. You say, Pastor Justin, I need healing in my body today. Just slip your hand up right where you are. Just slip your hand up right where you are. I see those hands. I see that hand. I see that hand. Now, as a church family, the word says that we lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, right? So start praying for them. So if you had your hand, lift your hand high just so we can pray for you. See that hand right there. Thank you, Lord. I see a hand right here in the center, right there. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, with... That what Jesus did at the cross was total salvation, total victory. 
And I thank you right now from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, just like that took place in my life that day. I declare that the anointing of God, the presence of God in is, is ministering to them right now, making them whole and setting them free. Pain, I declare, if there's pain in lower backs, I declare that that pain, you have to go now in the name of Jesus. If that's you, just, just, just start doing something that you couldn't do before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations. Marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. Hallelujah. 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 You're watching by way of internet. Just start to do something you couldn't do before. Hallelujah. 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 Just like that, 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 the, that man that was at the gate. And it said, and they stre- as he stretched forth his hand, his hand was made whole. Sometimes it's not waiting for a feeling, but it just start doing something you couldn't do before. Hallelujah. And receive. Receive, receive. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Father. Oh, we praise you for it, Father. Hallelujah. You are faithful. You are faithful. You're faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because of what Jesus did, we are victorious. Give him a shout of praise. You believe that this morning?